You may be seated. You know, it's songs like that that could get your preacher going. And I was a conservative, straight-laced Baptist boy growing up. Sometimes I don't know where he went. I knew, I knew, I knew nothing could hold me down because the grave could not contain Jesus. And when I I found Jesus, I knew I could not be contained. Hallelujah. Wow. You know, if uh, I just, I want you to say, Sally, I'm going to change it up here. (laughs) Are you shocked? I'm I'm good. Hold on just a minute here. I, uh. I, I just, I got to tell you, it's, it's so exciting. I always think in the midst of tragedy, people cry out to Christ and they cry out to God and they need him so bad in their life. But if we don't show the power of Jesus' name and the power of Christ, then people will never believe. I mean, if they can't see Mike and overcoming Easter eggs, that clerk would never be able to see Jesus, Right? You know, I mean, come on, think about it. If we do not celebrate Jesus in this community, then the community does not believe that Jesus is real. If we are not excited about this glorious day, the resurrection, the same power, how great he is, how great is our God, if we never believe that and embrace that, the world will never believe who Jesus is. For he is the risen Messiah. He is our Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And there is something special about that name. If you have your Bible, take it, if you would, please, with me. Hold it high. And then the kids are dismissed to head back to uh, Children's Chapel. But if you have your Bible, let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. I want to just read a couple verses for you because I believe there's something special about the name of Jesus. So I found it here in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and it says this. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none. If you were to circle it in your Bible, highlight it. I know you're not there. It's in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is no other name. None other name. No, nothing else out there exists except the one name under heaven. That's given among men, whereby we must be saved, and his name is Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That is our Savior, that is Jesus, and there is something about his name. Watch.
You know, we can we can have songs, we can sing songs, we, we can we can come to church, we can worship, we can do all kinds of things, but there's just something special about that name, amen. And it's just because of all the renditions that the the Bill Gaither group puts together that really brings
Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my handheld mic. First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Here's what the scripture has to read. Now, let, let me just maybe set a little bit of a tone for you. As we talk about this one name, we're going to be talking about names today. What is it about a name? What's so special about a name? You kind of probably gathered that by the way I came up here in the introduction of today. Dealing with troubles you don't deserve. Dealing with troubles you don't deserve. We've been going through some a series of messages of shame and how to overcome it and what to do in the midst of sometimes trials and tribulations. But I'm here to tell you that, you know, there is something that's always special about a name. And in First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, here's what it says. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. About 20 years ago, when our clock struck the new millennium, a book was introduced to the church by Bruce Wilkinson called The Prayer of Jabez. Prior to this time, Jabez was an unseen hero found tucked away in the Old Testament book here in First Chronicles. And we notice that if you go into it deep enough that the genealogy is somewhat boring, yet it has nothing that we can really strike a chord with. The verses prior to that and after that talks about Jabez's genealogy. But tucked there seemingly invisible in a genealogy list of Israel was a summary of this man's life and how God saw him. And in the middle of all names, a name jumps off the page and the author shares more than just a name, but he shares a legacy. The book, The Prayer of Jabez, and the many study materials which accompanied it impacted our world in such a short amount of time. The emergence of this man's life from the Bible and his prayer resonated with the church and some outside the church. People were buying up this little book in masses like they're buying up toilet paper. They were studying each word of his prayer in detail. They started Bible studies using this book, The Prayer of Jabez. Movements were started, curriculum developed, websites launched, and it buzzed through the church world and to a degree the secular world for a while. But it only lasted about five years. It was a five-year phenomenon. As I look back now, 19-plus years later, I know the book was unveiled for such a time as that. A new millennium was emerging. And for many, it became a retrospective time of evaluating our lives, evaluating our culture, evaluating our technology and our destinies and life for the new millennium and if you recall back let's go back to y2k boy that was just a that was a number and a time that many of us remember that i mean they were buying up generators like they were buying up everything else today y2 came along with the changing clock of the new millennium the y2k scare was a buzz everywhere and if you believe the worst reports everything was going to shut down in our society at when at the stroke of midnight 
the doomsday prophets cried that life was going to come to a screeching halt. Power plants were going to be shut off. Water was going to stop flowing through our faucets. Computers were going to crash. Planes could crash. And a host of other things. Some people were telling people to prepare for a major disaster. They were to store up food. Sound familiar? Stock up on water, buy generators, buy gold, and and hoard anything you could. Hoard food. One individual in our family even made up a room for that, and you'd walk in the room, and it was the Y2K room that she would escape to, literally. And they would have food, and there was a private door and all kinds of exciting things that took place, and it came and went. Because my, my Bible tells me that we will not know the time nor the hour when the Son of Man shall come. Hallelujah. So we just have to keep keeping on. That's called faith. That's the, really, that is the foundation and the premise to our Christian life. We've got to trust in Him. Some people were telling people to prepare for a major disaster. I think the worst thing I heard was electric train shut down somewhere in the world due to the glitch. What are you going to do? Where's Troy at out there at the door? Electric change, train shut down. In the midst of the unknown and maybe a fear of the future, this little book emerges onto the scene and it picks up momentum. Encouraging people, giving people hope, and reminding them that God is here for us if we call on him. It highlighted an unseen hero in the life and history of all Israel. And as I look back many years later, the book and its messages have faded. Isn't that interesting? The story of Jabez has drifted back into the background of a busy and stressed out life. It's slowly drifted back into the pages of the Old Testament and its long list of names. But it's still has a small, tiny flashlight shining on its message. In the half-price section in the bookstores, some websites and some people's bookshelves, yes, it is tucked in a small, dark corner somewhere in the Western church. That tiny little book, The Prayer of Jabez. And today I want to turn a spotlight back onto this two-line message from Scripture. I would like us to sing... To see an unsung hero of the faith today. I want us to hear his amazing prayer. I want us to grow spiritually from his life and from his prayer. In church, I have prayed and asked God to reveal to all of us his message from these two lines. Why? So as to stir our hearts for him in this days where we feel that what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to go on with COVID-19, coronavirus that has hit the world by storm. As I explored this two-line story today, which is a short message with a big idea, I paid attention to the meaning of Jabez's name, which to me became important to get a little background on this man's life. So we're going to look just for a moment at the meaning of his name. And you heard me start out the service because I only wanted to start out today because of what we're going through. That there is power in his love. There is power in the name of Jesus. And church, we will never make it if, there, if it's not for Christ. We as Christians need to pray. We as Christians need to open up the doors. I think we've become a lazy generation. We have forgotten who Jesus is and what he means to us and the power of his name. And how it can impact our life. So number one, the power of a name and its impact on our life. 
Names are important. How many of you would agree? And I, I still don't understand. Mom called me Todd. I don't know why I didn't have such a cooler name like, I don't know, Josiah. Like three syllables. Todd. There's something about that name. Todd means fox, my wife says. So true. And baby, I'm only foxy to you, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Names. <laughs> when Becky and I named our children, uh, we searched high and low for that right name with that right meaning because we wanted our children's name to help them to succeed in life and have the blessing of God in their life. However, a name is important, but we still were a little bit undecided when we were in the hospital what Victoria's name was going to be. And, uh, but we finally came up with it. You'd think, what's that? Three days later, that's how important. We had nine months to come up with it, but it took us about three days in the hospital. Well, we didn't know what we were having. Yes, we did. Okay. And, uh, but a name is important. It's the identity chip you see for a child or a poor person. Sometimes you look at people. How many of anybody's ever walked up to you and go, you look like a Chris. You look like a Tammy. Am I the only one they've ever done that to? Okay, thanks a lot. There's three of us. All right, thanks. I appreciate you guys engaging in the, the message today. I, re, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Debbie. I, I, I know it. See, that's why Debbie sits up front. I always say she's my sister from another mister, and I'm a brother from another mother. I tell you. Thank you. Thanks, DJ. I mean, you two are really, I appreciate it. Please do not move to the back row or in the middle sections. I won't be able to see if you raise your hand. Anyhow, uh, so listen closely. In biblical times, the name given to a person often meant the character or the plight in life he or she might walk. For instance, Jacob means supplanter or one who tricks. He tricked his brother out of what? Out of his birthright. Jeremiah, God hurls or throws is the name for that. He is thrown as a prophet into a nation of self righteous people and then we know that jesus means god saves he through his life death and resurrection came to save people i also find it interesting in the bible in instances when god jesus changed people's names to reflect their destiny and his specific mission in their life you may be thinking why did god sometimes change a person's name in the bible and here's the answer and i'll go through with through this with you quickly when God changed a person's name and gave him a new name, it was usually to establish a new identity. God changed Abram's high father name to Abraham, father of a multitude, which, we found, which you can find in Genesis 17:5. And his wife's name was Sarah, my princess, to Sarah, mother of nations, which is also Genesis 17, verse 15. We know from history that descendants of Abraham and Sarah formed many nations, including the Jews and Muslims. God changed Jacob's supplanter name to Israel, having power with God, which is found in Genesis 32. Jesus changed Simon's, God has heard, name to what? Peter, which means rock. Why did Jesus call Peter Simon after he had changed his name to Peter? Probably because Simon sometimes acted like his old self instead of the rock God called him to be. Interesting, huh? The same is true for Jacob. God continued to call him Jacob to remind him of his past and to remind him to depend on God's strength. Watch this. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, Peter's name was changed by the Lord from Simon to Peter. 
Verse 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Syria, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he concludes. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was Christ. We also know that Saul's name was changed to what? Paul, after his conversion. The first note of this was found in Acts chapter 13, verse 9. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, and I pause. So why did God choose new names for some people? You see, the Bible doesn't give specific reasons, but perhaps it was to let them personally know that they were destined for a new mission in life. The new name was a way to let them in on divine plan and also to assure them that God's plan would be fulfilled in them. Names change. So how important is a name? I think a name is significant. Have I just proved to that? I, I hope so. I hope I'm, I'm diving in here. Let me show you. How would you like to be known for pain? How would you like, I mean, if we go back, I mean, you're a pain in my neck. You're a pain in my bum. You're just a pain to be around. How many would say that? I mean, I don't want to be known as pain. Do you guys know that as you look in this story, Jabez put his mother through some excruciating pain. In some of the texts and translations Jabez also means sorrowful. So he put some pain on his mother. The man named Jabez, meaning pain, said that we are looking... Hold on a minute. I'm losing my spot here. It's hard when you hold a mic. I'm a guy who holds my hands, and so I'm like sweating up here. Anyhow, looking at the scripture, Jabez's name in Hebrew actually does mean pain. So uh, I'm just going to go through a couple things here as as we move forward here and to kind of bring what I'm trying to bring out here today in regard to his prayer. People also like to give each and every one of us a nickname. We all have nicknames. You know, people have said to us, why do you call Lindsay Booger? That's gross. And I said, well, when she was just little, we'd say, come here, little booger. You know, but when you really stop and think about it, I'm like, ooh, that's gross. We all have nicknames. And, uh, and I will tell you what my nickname is, but if you ever call your pastor that, I would be very, very upset. All right, I'll go ahead since you guys asked me. Only my, I know you do, Debbie. So I'm going to let Debbie answer this for the whole congregation. Now, I don't go by Reverend. I do go by Pastor Todd, but my mother, my father, and my siblings call me. 
Toddy Waddy. One time I looked at my mom and I said, y'all hate me, don't you? Who calls their son Toddy? Because then I said, well, they must have got a little bit confused because they wanted to call me like Josiah. You know, a cool name. But I was Todd, so they put in their Toddy two syllables. See, we all, we all are called by something specifically. Jabez had to go through hearing the story and dealing with the pain from his story. He heard it so much that he prayed to God to help him not experience any more pain. He wanted delivered from being a pain to his mother. And now look at this story. I mean, just think about it. The verses prior to it and the verses after, I'm not going to go through all those names as we go through the genealogy. It didn't spell out the different names of who they were and what their reputation was. But it gets to Jabez, and it says that he stuck out that he was handsome in appearance, that he was a fine young man, and then he prays. He wanted delivered. Names are important, and Jabez's name reveals the pain he had to deal with growing up. But the Bible says he was more honorable than his brothers, which means he fought through the pain to honor God. He did not want to be stuck in pain, so what does he do? He prays to God. Here we go. Jabez's prayer. If we look at the prayer, I find five specific requests to the Lord from Jabez known as pain. He says, God, will you bless me? What he was saying now, now watch this in in first Chronicles. God, will you bless me? I'm tired of the pain and I want to be called blessed, not pain in the neck, not pain to my mother, not pain to my family. There's a book out by Robert Morris, pastor of Gateway Church in Texas. He has some great quotes and thoughts from being blessed. Here's what it says from the blessed life. He states, being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. Jabez wanted his power working for him in his life. So he explains, before we continue, I should probably define terms. What do I mean by the blessed life? What does a life filled with blessing look like? Being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. And so by contrast, being cursed means having supernatural power working what? Against you. Jabez wanted to break the curse on him, which was pain. Robert also adds, there are principles, however, that we have to follow in order to experience God's highest rewards. They're the keys to living Your best life now. Sounds like something Joel Steen wrote. Oh, because he did. (laughs) Jabez came to know that he blessed. To be blessed means I have to be living right and honorable for God. I need to honor him if I want him to what? To bless me. The prayer of Jabez, first point, is rooted in the thought that a believer in God can reach their full potential life being blessed by the Lord. Nothing less will do if you really read and understand what? God's word. The Bible. What could be wiser in life than to ask God daily to bless us and realize I cannot bless myself. I need God's blessings. So here's a little bit of the historical setting. If we all were living back in Jabez's time frame, his prayer would make a lot of sense in those days as Israel knew little of God's blessing due to a national spiritual decline and spiral away from God. Idol worship was everywhere a falling away from god was common and disobedience to moses law was the norm does that sound familiar church 
We're at a time. Think about this. Now, hold on, preacher. Do you understand the law says there's separation of church and state? Be careful what you say in the pulpit. I heard that once. I've heard it two times. I've heard it about four times. But I'm going to tell you right now, if our country does not bow their knee to God, God will get a hold of every single person. We are one nation under God. You can try to remove whatever you want over a a sign over a door. You can try to say, you know what, we're going to remove him. But let me tell you something. God created us. You're not removing him. He is the Almighty One. He is the one who is in full control of everything that's going on. And in our world today, all of this political back and forth and the nonsense, it's ridiculous. And we as Christians have got to stand strong and be in prayer and pray for our president. You may not like him, and there are presidents over the last 50 years that I may not have cared for, but I prayed for them. Pray for your president. Pray for his cabinet. Pray for our mayor. Pray for our governor. Pray for those that are above us. They need your guidance. I know on a local body, this pastor right here needs your prayer. Prayer that I make the right decisions, that I deliver God's word, that we move the church forward for the kingdom of God. That's my responsibility. As much as it is President Trump and his responsibility is to move this country forward. We all get puffed up with pride. There is a lot of nonsense and chaos that goes on. The reality is, we can't lose our way. We need a blessing from God. Our country needs a blessing from God. And we've been very, very blessed. Church, we have been so blessed. Jabez was personally asking God to give him the blessing consistent with God's covenant promises to Israel for living honorable, for living a good life, for living a righteous life. Is this a reasonable request to God? Remember this. He was in right standing with God and living out a right relationship with God. In other words, his priorities were in the right position. God was placed in the right position in his life. So the answer to the question is yes. It is a reasonable request. And I have to come to realize that people want the blessings of God, but they don't want to give God the right position in their life. People want the blessings from God, but they don't want to give God the right position in their life. In that book, Robert Morris and many other pastors or Bible teachers will tell you that blessings come to those who are in right positions with the Lord. And here's the scriptural truth to this. You cannot have the blessings of God if God does not have the right position in your heart and in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? You cannot have the blessings of God if God does not have the right position in your heart and in your life. In the book, The Blessed Life, it says God must be first in your life, and it all starts with putting God first in your heart, your daily life, your finances, and yes, even church attendance. One of the big ten. There are, in Scripture, conditions spelled out to receive a blessed life. Jabez understood the biblical principle of blessings. Do you? In church, I'm going to ask you a question. You can make this personal. Is God first in your life? 
is God first in your life? And then Jabez then prays, God, will you expand my border? Would you enlarge my territory? Jabez then moved from asking a blessing from God to asking for God to specifically prosper him. In those days, prosperity was associated with what? With land ownership. Don't forget, remember, he honored God what? First. He followed the Bible's instruction to give the first fruits to God, his heart, his life, his tithe, his offerings, to meet the condition of God's blessings. He prioritized God in his daily life, doing and following his teachings for living right. He worshipped and served God regularly and did not allow any idol to usurp God in his life. So many of us have put false idols in front of us. We put social media in front of us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, so on and so forth. All the other nonsense comes before we actually dive into God's word and we spend time in prayer. We have to see the chaos that's going on in somebody else's life. It does something for us. Be very careful of idol worship. In those days, idol worship was associated with things like sex, sacrifices to gods for better crops, even child sacrifice for favor from the gods and for prosperity. Remember this, that their idols were man-made and were made to replace the worship of the truth God and the truth of God. And also following God's specific teachings. Today, some of the idols that I see usurping God in people's lives are money, jobs, sports. Have you guys seen on Facebook? You know, there's, there's several things now that sports have stopped. There, there was one meme or whatever you guys want to call it that says this. Um, something about, oh, now sports are off. And he looks at his wife and he makes the comment like, oh, hi. So what do you do for your free time? Because he's been so so engaged in sports that it's become such a such a, a magnetic idol for him that now they were making a joke about it saying hey let's get to know one another now that there aren't sports on tv any longer drugs fame power control celebrity status materialism individualism education maybe even the party life what can we do recreationally instead of giving to god i am a workaholic that is my personality and sometimes i think i pour my life into work and it takes away from really truly being in God's word and embracing God where I know I need to be personally. So I have to discipline myself to get up early in the morning so that I can spend more quiet time. Because I'll tell you, before long, something comes up. I'm on Facebook and I can sit and scroll through Facebook in an hour. It's chaos. That's all I got to tell you. But I'm admitting my sin right here in front of everybody. I'm being vulnerable and transparent. I just want you guys to know. So I've got to control myself, discipline myself in those areas. Robert Morris highlights that if you really want to prosper, you need to make sure your finances, first of all, honor God. And Scripture's clear about it. It says in Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We honor the Lord with all we have, for we behave with our finances there's a lot to reveal our heart toward God. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be careful. How do you accomplish this? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understandings and all thy ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Now, I hold this just as much as accountable for me 
as for you, as for our church. What are we doing for the community? Are we passing out Easter eggs? Are we presenting the gospel? Is it all about the Easter bunny, the pancakes, the, the Disney characters? Or is it truly about seeing people know that Jesus Christ is alive and that he is real? That's what our Easter celebration is about. That's why we celebrate Good Friday, the death of Jesus Christ, and we come back for Easter worship as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But do we give him what is his first? Proverbs eleven twenty four through 29, it tells us, There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. He had results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessings will be on the head of him who sells it. He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks evil, evil will come to him. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous, listen, but the righteous, the guy who, righteous means right living, will flourish like the green leaf. He who troubles his own house will inherit wind, and the foolish will be servant to the wise-hearted. Jabez prayed, God, please let your hand be on my life. What is your relationship with God? Church, this past week was was a great milestone. Because of your faithfulness, because of your giving... And don't take credit for somebody else's giving. Ooh, that was rough, preacher. But because of your heart for Christ and because of the way you give, we'd like to show you what took place on Thursday. It was a great day. Let me show you a picture here. I walked into a place called Kingdom Title, and they thought I was a big deal. They said, welcome, Pastor Todd Tackett. And I'm like, wow, they must be waiting for me here. And then I walked into a conference room. I couldn't help myself. I had to take a picture. I'm like, this is great. I love the candy dish in the middle of the table. I'm like, this is really cool. So I guess I'll go ahead and take a picture. And then the next thing took place. She handed me some paperwork and said, could you please sign right here at the dotted line? And did you bring that big fat check for $4,655.39? I don't know if that's exactly what it was. But we would like to have you sign this paperwork so the deed and the title at the Summit County Recorder's Office in the city of, of Talmadge know that the ECC church is no longer owned by them. It's owned by New Hope Talmadge. <laughs> So see, God works all things out. We don't have what we have because we've been selfish. We have to go to the dollar trees in life. We have to go and stand in front of somebody because Satan wanted to get you down, Mike. And by the way, when I leave and I'm in Florida, I might have to have you get up here and preach because that was quite an interesting, humorous story. We're going to get you worked out here. I, I really do believe we got something going on there. And, uh, but I got to tell you, hey, I will say this. That isn't it amazing? Listen, do you see this right here? Is anything coming out of it? No. You know why? Because Satan loves to use this mic to get me discouraged. So I decided something. This has been going on for 15 years. So I'm up here standing and I'm holding this mic. And I'm telling the devil, back to hell with you. Because I'm over it. I don't need this, this mic here anymore. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm tired of getting up here and making this a focus every time I get to a point. You know what? He wants to take credit. You were there doing a blessing. That woman was looking at you. 
You were trying to be a blessing. And because somebody decided to take a trip on you in the Bahamas or wherever it was you were at and spend 3000 on your card, they're probably wondering, what in the world is going on here? Isn't it amazing? One of the most humiliating things is to go, uh, that'll be $5.52. I'm sorry, it says declined. Oh, try it again. <laughs> oh, this ain't really happening right now. And then they swipe the card again, and you swipe the card again, and you're thinking to yourself, why is this happening to me? Here was a man. The lady was already thinking, oh, the poor guy's lost his mind. I'm on TV. It's a, this is a, a comic to, to, to go around with. I mean, this is unbelievable. You want 8,000 eggs. And so he gets up there, and so one thing after another starts to take place. Church, that isn't coincidental. It just happens. And we have to overcome it. You did the right thing, Mike, and you did the right thing by saying, you know what? I'm not losing perspective. I'm not losing focus. Satan is always there to trip us up. And I'm here to tell you, too, that in this, Jabez even says this, keep me from evil. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my borders. God didn't keep us. Listen, church, God, God didn't keep us at 2510 4th Street. He didn't keep us on Grant Street. He didn't keep us at Riverside Drive. He brought us to 226 Southeast Avenue. And before long, I might be at the University of Akron football stadium. I don't know where God's taking us, but wherever it is, we'll go on the journey. Amen. Uh-oh. Because you know what? Reality is that people, one guy said to Joe Olstein once, he said, you'll never get that. He goes, oh, I won't, but God will. I mean, let's be real. God's in control of everything. God is always in control of all of our ups and our downs, our in-betweens and everything else. But we have to realize that in this prayer, listen, our world right now is in a place where evil is, is really just filtering through. And many of you may not believe that, but I do believe it. I believe it's spiritual warfare, too. I really do. And I believe that people are running in fear. Fear is, is a derivative of Satan. He, is, he loves to drive people to fear. To, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow shall worry about itself. He wants us to, to worry. But we have to come right back to the church. And if we lose faith in who we are, if we lose faith in who we are, when, when we called that pastor... And we said, hey, we're looking at this. If I'd have said all along, we'll never get that property. We can't afford it. We can't. I just have a can't-do attitude. See, then I've lost my faith in who Christ is. What do we learn from the story of Jabez? Jabez is the one who said, you know what? I'm going to change what people think of me, and now I'm going to walk in a holy God and a righteous God, and I'm going to let everybody know that I'm not a pain in the neck, that I might have been a pain to my mother through birth, and I might have been a pain as a child, but, Lord, I pray that you'll bless my territory, that you'll enlarge my opportunities, that you'll see the good in me, the righteousness in me, and everything that I'm trying to do, Lord, I want to put, put aside evil. I want to put aside all those things. Deliver me. Rescue me from what Satan is trying to put me through. You know what? If I live a life, I came to church today, yes, I've got my guard on. I'm not careful. You know, let's disinfect and let's do what we want. But you know what? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We've got to surrender, live our life in him. Where did the time go? Wow. So I say this in closing. I'm just going to skip over a bunch of stuff just because I, I believe that time does fly. And uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you for coming today. I'm going to conclude with this thought. Here's what God did. God granted his request. 
Why did God grant Jabez's request through that prayer? Because he honored God. And if we honor God in our life, and if we honor God in our tithes and in our time and in our talent, and I hope this convicts you, if you want to be a man like Jabez and change who you used to be and walk in who you should be, then maybe we need to honor him with everything that we have. Everything. Everything that we have. Some of us hold on to whatever God has provided us with our gifting. Oh, I'm going to leave that up to that person. I'm going to leave that that money up to that person. I'm going to leave my time up to that person. They got more time. He's retired. She's retired. Let them do this. But how is it that you honor God and how is it that people see that if you were to pray that prayer in First Chronicles and Jabez cries out and says, Lord, please, I'm requiring, I'm asking for your blessings. How is it that you stopped what you're doing and you say, God, I, I honor you? How many of this room would, want, would say, yes, I want to be blessed like Jabez. Enlarge my territory. Give me opportunity. Bless my life. Continue to be a blessing to me. Jabez, in a time when many others were walking away from God, instead, he drew near to God. God knew this. He prayed to God for his blessing. He asked God for prosperity, for a hands-on relationship with God, and to be be delivered from evil and its excruciating pain. And God heard his prayer. God heard his prayer, and then he granted it. Why do we need to know this, or why is this in the Bible? Why so you do and you pray like Jabez, just like he did. In a life lesson, God placed in the Bible this for you. We need to know that we too can live holy and honorable in life even when others around us are not. We need to know that our society as a whole rejects God more and more, but we don't have to. We can maintain a righteous life that glorifies God even in a nation which is moving away from Him if we pray for God to help us. We need to remember that God knows where he rates in your daily lives and where he rates in your heart. He knows if you have placed him second or third or even last in your life. We need to know that God listens to our prayers and we are in a right relationship with him. And we need to know that God will answer our prayers if we do our part. So what do we need to do? We need to prioritize God. We need to prioritize God in our life and make him first. We need to pray to him and ask for his help following the outline of Jabez's prayer. And why do we need to do this? Because Jabez is an example given to us by God to say, do what he did and I will bless you. Church, can I share just a a story with you the Lord just laid on my heart? Is that okay? I'm going to take just a few minutes, and I want you to hear this, and then we'll close. This past week, Ryan and I were on a job, and some of those in the New Hope for Recovery heard this story. And the Lord just brought this to my mind, and I want you to hear it. But Ryan has been struggling, and he looked at me with the most conviction that I think I've ever seen from anybody. And he said to me, Why is it that my family prays 
for me to be blessed. And when it comes time for the blessing and I start receiving blessings, they all run away from me like I have the plague. Why is it I don't have that support? Why is it that I'm trying to be a good dad and I'm trying to get custody, just not even custody, standard visitation for my daughter, and I have people fighting against me? Why does it have to be so difficult? Why? Why does life have to be like this? And I said, Ryan, this is the first step to our Christian relationship with Jesus Christ. You're doing this. You're holding on to the very thing that God wants from you. He wants you to let go of even getting standard visitation. Just give him your daughter. Give him everything. Give your family to God. Give everything to God. And God will give you what you need. Not only what you want. You have to let go to let God. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants your daughter. And in the midst of this, I saw Ryan, he collapsed to the floor and he was weeping. And he said, this has just messed me up for the last two months. I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm mad. And I said, those are good feelings to have. I said, are you willing to do that? And remember Ryan getting up from that floor and he looked out that window and he said, yes. I need to just let go. I just need to give this whole situation, it's been chaos to God. Now listen, this isn't a story. You heard the story from the prayer of Jabez. This is happening right here, right now, Thursday. I get home, and I'm on, the, on an important phone call. I couldn't get it. My phone is ringing nonstop Thursday afternoon, evening. And it's ringing and it's ringing, and it's ringing, and I'm hitting click, ignore, 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 ignore. Because it said no caller ID. I didn't know who it was, and I didn't want to pick up the phone. I was in a very serious conversation. And so for me, to ignore the importance of one person to pick up another is not, I don't do that. That's chaos. So I hung up from that individual, and I had a voicemail message. Hello, Todd. This is your attorney, Don Mitchell. Please give me a call back. I'm like, what was that all about? And here's what he said to me. I called him. He's like, I've been calling you and calling you and calling you and calling you. And I know Ryan's probably thinking, why do I have to deal with these troubles that he doesn't deserve? We've all felt like that. We've all been there. And here is what my attorney says. Well, I woke up today. Great. And I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit revealed something to me today. I go, what was that? He revealed that I need to talk to Ryan LaBelle and I need to help this young man with standard visitation for his daughter. Now, hold on a minute. How did he know that? Because I talked to him a couple weeks ago and says, this is just something that's laying on my heart. You know, how do you move forward in something like this? You guys remember what took place earlier? That day, he got on his knees and he said, God, I'm just going to give her to you. I'm going to let go. 
Don Mitchell said, get that young man in my office. Don't you worry about the cost, the price. If he can't afford it, we're going to get that baby back, and he's going to visit that little girl. Everybody deserves to be a dad, and everybody deserves to be a mom. That is not made up. And so I said to him, I said, whoa. I was like, and then, then I went, and I swallowed real deep. And he's like, Todd, are you okay? And I go, Don, I'm sorry. I've got to gain my composure because I'm literally, I, I was crying on the other end of the phone. You know why, I, I, why it moved me? Because I know how good our God is. And I know how real he is. And I know that dynamic that took place that day. We're talking five hours difference. What God did. Ryan and I have already been to the office on Friday. He said, get in here. Don says, we need to do this, that, and the others. We had check, 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 check. Walked over, did this, check, that, check, every other check, check. And, uh, yeah. and then right after that, sent it right to the courthouse. Everything's down there. Everything's ready to go. And it's done. Now he just has to move forward. We'll see what happens from here. But it's in God's hands. And now Ryan has surrendered to that. And he says, you know what? Lord, spare me from all the evil. Lord, bless my life. Bless my comings and going. Bless my future. Bless my territory. Listen, when you turn your heart to God, he turns his heart towards you. Because God loves you. And he loves to see the potential that he has in you. Isn't that, isn't that just the grace of God? Man, God wants to use you. Get on your knees. Give Him your life. I could go on all day about just surrendering my own life, but when you surrender your life to God, when you get to the end of yourself, you start to get to the beginning of God, then you truly start to see God's blessings in your life. Please, church, I yearn and I, I ask and I beg. It's just another virus. Let's stop the nonsense, the chaos, and the fear. Yes, be diligent to know that God is in control and that He is. Can we all just rise to our feet? And, and as, as you, we rise to our feet, we're going to close out the service and we're, we're going to make a quick today, right? I said short story. I want to just brag about God all day long. And, and church, I leave now for a couple weeks, and I'll be back for Easter. But my mom has dementia, and there's nobody else that can go down there with her. She already called me yesterday and says, Todd, I'm fearful. because, You know, if you guys have just seen how mom's digressed, and my aunt and Uncle Ted are actually probably already landed in Phoenix, Arizona. They're not there with her, so she's already saying, when are you going to be here? Can you hurry up and get here? I called my brother, and I said, you need to leave from Jacksonville, get down there with mama the next two days until I can get there. And uh, Becky and I are going to go. My wife is going to fly down, but I can't live without her. So I said, cancel the plane ticket. You're going with me. So we are. Uh, so she said, okay, honey. And so we're, we're going to be like two senior citizens. I bought, I bought my little uh, RV and we're going to go, go down the road. It's going to be great. And we're going to get, grab our coffee and pretend like we're two elderly folks in our little RV going to, to Florida. And that's right. And, uh, <laughs> with tinted glass. With, yes, I got tinted glass for my wife so not everybody could see her. And he, I, I told her, I said, honey, don't be, don't be ashamed of our 1977, you know, 40 Econoline camper. It's okay. It works. 
Just kidding. And, uh, but I say all that to say I see God's blessings and everything. And church, I'll be back. But would you please pray for our family? Pray for my wife and I. Pray for our country that, you know, my mom, she doesn't want to leave. She doesn't want to go anywhere. I've got to get there, get her groceries. I said to her, yes. She said, Mom, do you have groceries? No, honey, I'm good. No, you're not good. You need to eat. And uh, so we're going to go down. I think this will probably be mom's last time she'll be down in Florida. And uh, please continue to pray for her. There's days she's got highs and days she has lows. And, um, but I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, truly, church, because you're always so good to me. And nobody ever says anything like, oh, pastor, you're leaving or you're doing this. But um, continue to come, experience the love of Christ, the power of his love. Come here, be challenged. We have, oh, next week, Destiny Rescue will be here. Our church supports a child trafficking ministry where they go and they rescue children around the world from brothels, even here in America, as young as three years old. Listen to Joe Mann. Come and support him. What a ministry. Phenomenal. But I want to ask you, if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart and your life and you do not know the benefits of knowing who he is, would you come to him? If you've never confessed him as Lord and Savior, come to him. Let us sing together. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. But as we do that, you just move. If God's moving in your life, you do that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can survey the wondrous cross. We thank you that, God, you are here with us and among us. Give us life and hope. Bless our coming, bless our going. Help evil stay behind us as we move forward. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.